Well, if you were in Bible class this morning, you know that we are finishing our trip through the uh, book of Ephesians today. Uh, The final lesson uh, comes out of chapter 6. Very familiar passage, but one that uh, Paul felt like his uh, initial readers needed to hear. And I think that he would say the same for us, that we need to be reminded of this great truth. Let's be standing, please, as we hear God's word. From Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted for the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, here at the end of Paul's letter to his friends in Ephesus, a church that he knew well, a church he had worked with for about three years, he asks a question or gives them a challenge. He basically wants each person in that church, and by extension, I think each person in this church too, before we leave the thoughts he has presented to us, to ask ourselves the question, where do I stand? You notice that word popped up a lot of times in that reading we did. At least four, I think maybe five in the translation I read. But Paul says, stand, stand. And then after you've done everything else, take your stand. So the question is, where are you standing? Now, as I was thinking about that over this past week, several stories came to my mind. And I know I've shared some of these before. Uh, three of them are true. One is uh, one of those old preacher stories that we just like to tell. So just, you know, give me, cut me a little slack on that one, all right? <laughs> one that's true is that I remember from my childhood. Uh, I'm old enough that I remember before the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I remember whenever we watched an NFL game, we had no team to cheer for because there were no Dallas Cowboys. And how excited we were whenever the announcement was made that we were going to have a team, that Texas was going to have a team, Dallas was going to have a team, we would have the Cowboys. And so they got the team together and they hired this young coach named Tom Landry. Now Tom Landry had been an assistant coach before, but had never been a head coach before. But everybody promised, well, he's, he's got the stuff, he's, he's going to be a good one. So we get going, and the first two or three years were absolutely terrible. I mean, they were the worst team in the league. Everybody was just, you know, what kind of team is this? The Cowboys will never do any good. We need to get rid of the coach. 
The coach needs to go. He's just not up to coaching. He doesn't have what it takes. Well, finally, the owner of the team, Clint Murchison, announced that he was going to make a statement about the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, everybody gathered expecting him to announce that Tom Landry was being fired. But those of you who lived through this too, it's burned into your mind. What did he do? He announced that he had just given him a 10-year extension on his contract. Here's where I stand. This is who I stand with. Where do you stand? Not just with the Cowboys. (laughs) That's kind of questionable these days. But in life, where do you take your stand? Preacher story. There was a man who bought a farm in Maine. And he bought it on some land that no one had really ever farmed for very long because it just just wasn't good land. And there was a prevailing wind that just came down out of the mountains there, and, and it just made it hard. And he built him a stone wall around the area that he was going to farm. And wouldn't you know it, one night this terrible storm came down. The wind came rushing down the hills and blew his stone wall over. Well, all his neighbors said, well, you know, obviously... He is going to just give up now and move on. He went out and built a stone wall that was four feet high and six feet wide. They said, why did you do that? He said, well, when it blows over, it'll be taller than it was before. Here's where I stand. And a story I tell often, but I'm sorry, it, it is just so dear to my heart. It's about my dear old grandmother, lived to be the age of 94 But most of her life, she was almost totally deaf. And to talk to my grandmother, we called her Mama Jim. Isn't that a neat name? Uh, There's a story behind that, but I won't go into that. But to talk to Mama Jim, you had to get right up next to her hearing aid. She wore one of these big old hearing aids that hung around her neck. And it was a big box right here. And so you had to get right up into that and talk to her like this. Well... Mama Jim went to church every Sunday. Rain, sleet, snow, ice. And not only church, she went to Bible class. And she sat in Bible class not hearing a word that the teacher said or anyone else said. And one day the preacher went up to her and said, Sister Cameron, (laughs) said, I appreciate you coming to class, but I just wonder why do you bother to come to Bible class? To which she replied a statement that has governed my life for a long time. I want everyone to know whose side I'm on. Where do you stand? Story of three young Israelis, teenage boys, that were taken hostage by the Iranians. And as they were being held hostage, they got together and talked. And they made a commitment to each other that even though they were living in a strange land with strange customs and a strange religion, that they would remain loyal to the faith of their childhood. And even though they didn't have the trappings of religion, there was no synagogue to attend, there were no rabbis or preachers or teachers or anyone to help them in their faith, they determined that they would remain loyal to the God who they knew. It happened that the Iranian government passed a law that it was illegal to have any other kind of faith other than in their God, 
and to do religion the way that they said to do it. But these three young men had their stand, made their stand, and they stood. You probably know them. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were Israeli. Yeah, it was the Iranians. Different names, same people. Sometimes you just got to make a stand. You got to say, here I am. This is who I am. This is what Paul is encouraging the people to make. This decision. And to make the announcement and to stand firm. He talks about a battle that's being fought. The battle between good and evil. And in talking about this battle, he reminds them that the battle is in such a grand cosmic scale that we, in essence, are pretty small. You know, sometimes when we think about evil, we only think about our own mistakes or our own temptations. We think about the, the mistakes and the bad decisions that we see other people making. But Paul wants to remind us that the battle between good and evil is being fought in the universe, that it's being fought in the heavenly realms, that it is a battle against a personified evil, that there is someone organizing the forces of evil to fight against the forces of good. We need to be aware of that, and we need to make sure that we have decided which side of that battle we're going to be on. Now, he talks about God is fighting on the side of good. Side of good. Now, that's something that we just assume, but stop and think about that for a moment. Wow. That the side of good, the side of right, the side of justice and fairness is the side of God. God Himself. And when we look around at our world, and see so much going on, and so many things happening that we just think nothing can ever be done about this, that evil obviously has the upper hand. We need to be reminded that God is on the side of good. But then as soon as we decide that, that God truly is on the side of what is good and what is right, the question comes back to us. And whose side am I on? Now, that decision has a lot of ramifications. And one ramification is that if we declare that we are on the side of God and we are on the side of good, then we are liable to be attacked. Thomas Aquinas once said, Evil does not attack God. Evil attacks God's friends. And we have to be prepared for that and ready for that. Oftentimes when I'm talking to someone about baptism, I will go to the story of Jesus' baptism. And the reason I do that is really at least twofold. There's probably even other reasons, but at least two reasons. One is that it underscores the importance of baptism. One of the reasons Jesus was baptized was to leave us an example to follow in his steps. One of the reasons Jesus was baptized 
was to declare that he was on the side of all righteousness. He was on the side of God. God had sent him to do something. God had sent him in this great war of good and evil. Jesus is the ultimate answer. The ultimate battle is going to be fought with him. And therefore, to be baptized, he's making the statement to all around, I am going to be on the side of good. I am going to be on the side of God. So therefore, we look at that story, and as I'm encouraging someone to make that same decision and to make that same public announcement to the world and to Satan himself that I am on the side of God, which is what baptism is all about, Well, then we go on to read what happens to Jesus after that. Because that's the other reason I want us to think about the story of Jesus whenever we're baptized. What is the story right after the baptism of Jesus in the Gospels? The story of the temptation. Where Jesus goes out into the wilderness. And there he meets Satan face to face. And Satan challenges him and says, are you sure you want to do it this way? You know, there's a lot of other ways to get attention. You can do tricks. You know, you can just turn rocks into bread. You can go jump off the temple and let the angels come swooping down. You know, but you know the way God has chosen for you. You know that you're going to have to go to a cross. You're going to have to die. Do it another way. And Jesus had to take his stand and say, no, I'm going to do it God's way. And we look at that story because I like to remind people that are about to go down into the waters of baptism that they're not only, they're not only making a statement to themselves and to God and to the church and to all who see them, they're making a statement to Satan. In fact, they're kind of thumbing their nose at Satan and saying, I'm going to be on God's side. Well, how well does God take, I mean, how well does Satan take that information he's going to come back for you because as Bob so well pointed out in our communion meditation today Satan knows that he's defeated by God he knows that he has been defeated by the son of God but he still wants to win you he still wants you on his side so where do you stand where do you stand Are we going to just simply live our lives kind of going along and looking around and trying to do what everyone else is doing, maybe a little better than they do it so that we can feel like we won? (laughs) Or are we going to get into the battle and say, I'm on the side of what is good, what is right, what is just, and what is fair. I am on the side of God. Well, in this passage, Paul warns us that if we do that, we better put on our armor because he's coming back for us. Satan still wants you, either through your apathy or through your own evil, to join in to his side and think of life in the way that he thinks of life. Paul says, put on your armor. And you know what this armor is. I know he gives us, you know, the helmet and all of that, which seems a little archaic to us. But when we look at what this protection is, we begin to understand. 
He says, make sure that you always have the truth with you. One of the great blessings of being a Christian is we know what is real, what is going to last forever, and what is not going to last forever. We know, we've been told by God, we've been instructed by Him, through His Word, through His Spirit, what is right. And therefore we say, I am going to keep that, and I'm going to live within that truth of what is right and what is good, rather than what is evil. He goes on to say, where the righteousness of God. Now we think of the righteousness of God as the goodness of God, which it is, but also it calls upon us to make sure that we are involved in bringing this kingdom that God has instituted on this earth all that we can do in our power and through the power of the Holy Spirit that we bring the righteousness, the justice, the fairness, the equality that God wants for His creation, that we represent that, and we make that our life's work, that wherever we are, that we stand for the justice of God, the righteousness of God, doing the work and the things that God thinks are important not just for people like us but for people of this world who need to see that there is some hope that there truly is a God who cares and he's got an army of people that are fighting his battles he goes on to say we wear the gospel of peace you got to keep that one going Not only do we go out and take the gospel of peace to others, you keep reminding yourself that even in this crazy life, and even when we're being attacked from all over, that we have made peace with God. Oh, that's not right. That God has made peace with us. And that we're okay with Him. And we're loved by Him. And we're valued by Him. And when life gets tough, the knowledge that He still cares, and that no matter what our relationships are with other people and how rocky things can get, that God and I are good. You read the other ones, you know, the hope, the, your salvation, your eternal hope. You know, this life is not all there is. We want this life to be everything that God intended for it to be. But beyond this life, we will live with Him forever. And we want to use this life that shows that to others as well, knowing that every step we take, we're simply closer to being with our God. And then the Word of God is a part of the armor that we just immerse ourselves in the Word that He has told us so that we might be strong enough to stand. Where do you stand? How faithfully are you standing? How firm are you standing? I'm not asking today as much as Paul is asking today. And God is asking today. And when that great day comes, when the armies are finally separated, the distinctions are made, and we all know who stood on the side of God and those who stood elsewhere, The question will be asked, and you, where 
do you stand? We're going to stand. We're going to sing a song. And if you have not made your stand, or if perhaps long ago you declared whose side you were on and yet you know in your life you've abandoned that and left it behind, all of us here today will be encouraging you as will God's army in heaven to come and to stand and say, here's where I am. I'm on your side. Let's stand and sing.